0: Mate, did we watch a thing this week?
1: Yeah, we did. Thanks for joining us on this episode of We Watched a Thing. As usual, I'm Topher, and I'm here with Billy. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm well, sir. I'm well. That's not true. I mean, I'm sweating. I'm just sweating.
0: It's hot. It's very, very hot.
1: (laughs) Anyone unaware, uh, current temperature of Australia roughly surface temperature of mercury yeah yeah it's friggin hot and they say they say global warming isn't real no no it's a socialist agenda <laughs> um happily you can head to movie
0: theaters which are air conditioned that's true you can head to in fact you could head to our very favorite movie theater dandy cinemas you could do that hey, that's what we did that's, that's what we did at midnight last night and I just went back again. Yes, you uh, as uh long-time listeners who were listening for our last Jedi episode 2 years ago will remember you you had already seen the movie twice when we recorded that. You've done it again, mate. It was a sneaky double session in the space of like 12 hours. Twice in about 13 hours. <laughs>
1: uh fun start to the session. I was I was going with my parents. Yeah, which I don't know the last film I saw with my parents possibly <laughs> Fern Gully. Um <laughs> But you know, that was this it was a nice, nice little outing with the folks. And we had these three guys behind us who were like, you know, I mean, I don't know why this occurs to people, but those humans who feel the need to kick the chair in front of them oh. at the cinemas. Like, what are these people doing when they're not at the movies? Like pulling wings off flies? I don't I don't know. We had those guys behind us. So as like the the last trailer's gone and the lights are going from half dimmed to full dimmed. And this kid kicks my seat again. I just rounded on him. And like, because I was just seething. I was like, how dare you? It's Star Wars, mate. It's Star Wars. And you're not just doing it to me. You're doing it to my mum, for God's sake. And I turned around and it was like, once more. Once
0: more. And he was a lot younger than I thought. (laughs) story doesn't actually sound like you. You're not the kind of person I, to- I am stunningly unconfrontational. Yes. But
1: I was like, it's, it's Star Wars, mate.
0: <laughs> this is not on. <laughs> and he may have cried. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, I feel your pain because I backed up the Star Wars after midnight session by going to a Wiggles concert today- <laughs> Rock. So I was also getting kicked in the back of the seat. <laughs> anyway. Um, should we talk about this movie? Let's do it.
1: And we are going to um, we are going to spoil the bejesus out of this. If you've not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled, this is not the show for you until you've seen it. That's right. We,
0: we've always kind of said, and I don't know if we've made this public enough, we've always said that we're not a movie review show technically. We consider ourselves a movie discussion show. We're here to talk about it and- you can't talk about a movie like this without actually talking about the movie. So, yes, there are spoilers ahead. <laughs> Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is a 2019 American epic space opera film produced, co-written and directed by J.J. Abrams. It's the third installment of the Star Wars sequel trilogy and supposedly the final episode in the the saga. Uh, It stars Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Anthony Daniels, Naomi Ackie, Domino Gleeson, Richard E. Grant, Lupita Nyong'o, Kerry Russell, Kelly Marie Tran, Ian McDermott, and Billy D. Williams. That is a long cast list.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, really, for me, the the final chapter just existed to find out if Wedge Antilles, my favourite Star Wars character, would turn up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um which he did for about 1.3 seconds
0: he he did he did and i was re- i was really um at the same time excited because i was very keen for greg grunberg to show up <laughs> and um and die in a ball of fire yeah, you were right about that. We we caught up at your place before this and did a little marathon of the last couple of films, and and I was telling you how excited I was for Gr- Grunberg, and you told me that he was going to die because he's the fat pilot, and that's what happens. Fat <laughs> pilots in X-Wings, like, they've got a history. You And you were absolutely right. <laughs> Pour a little out for Porkins, mate. <laughs> um. Maybe that was just like, you know, the middle of a long string of uh just reoccurrences in this franchise. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so you've seen the movie twice now. We saw it we saw it together last night but didn't talk about it, and I just want to know up front your generic thoughts. My generic thoughts are that it's enjoyable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when I got how, about, how about yourself? Well, when I got home and I spoke to my wife and she asked how it was and I said, look, here's the thing about it. It is at at both ends totally enjoyable and perfectly um, satisfying while at the exact same time being completely disappointing. But that's Star Wars. Yeah, one thing that I think was kind of reinforced
1: this second time round is- like, and because, as you know, I, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago started at episode one and, and have done the run up until this point. And particularly with um, the OG trilogy, I don't think we noticed, like, growing up, they were just the Star Wars movies. We didn't think about them too much. They just, they just were. Yeah. But looking back on them now, it strikes me how streamlined those films are. Like, you count the number of locations in, in A New Hope. You've got Tatooine, Yavin 4, the Death Star, and Space. Yeah. That's four. Empire Strikes Back. Hoth, Dagobah, Bespin, Space. Four. And I think one of the reasons that we are so in love with a lot of the locations in those original films, part of it is because we were kids and we love it. That's a big part of it. But another part of it is that we got to inhabit those spaces. This film spends about two hours kind of chasing its own tail. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's fast-paced as was The Force Awakens, but The Force Awakens had this great energy
0: to it. This feels more frenetic, definitely. And to touch on both your points, I think firstly, you made a great point we were kids. I think it it is hard to talk about these movies because we need to remember that at the end of the day, they're kids' movies. And as terrible as the some reviews for some of these films are going to be, like, that's not how they're going to be remembered. Like, the prequel trilogy was slammed at the time. For the- you know, like, my brother-in-law, he's just turned, like, 21. So, for him, the prequel trilogy was his introduction to Star Wars. And so, even though on some level he knows it's terrible, it'll always be his favourite of the series. <laughs> and and we need to remember that in this case, too- And I agree with you 100% about the locations. It felt very much like the plotting of a video game where the entire movie was almost a long fetch quest. It was like, okay, we need to go to this location and get a clue, which will tell us to go to this location and get another clue, which will lead us to this location where we'll find the MacGuffin. And that was really the whole plot of the film. There was very little, I think, character development or plotting outside of go here, go here, go here, get this. One thing we were both interested in and concerned about
1: was the revisionist element of this film coming off the divisive Last Jedi, a film we both really like. And whether, you know, kind of like Kylo's helmet, there would be a rebuilding of The Force Awakens with this film to, to, I guess, appease- the fan base that was put out by Ryan Johnson's movie, yeah. um, and there are fingerprints of that. I think here, like, I mean, Rose is very much shuffled to the background in this movie. Who, who we both think was a was a breath of fresh air in the Last Jedi, and here she's a side character. Yeah, her relationship with Finn is gone, like
0: it's just gone. <laughs> And it's interesting the way it was done, where nothing—it's—it's it's kind of a little bit sneaky, where nothing is retconned, but everything is <laughs> in in a weird way. So, for example, you know they 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 let Ryan Johnson have the moment of revealing that Ray is no one, but they kind of do the sneaky on you, where they're like, "Well, it is the case, but it's not the case." <laughs> does does this appease people who have been typing in all caps for two years? Yeah, and and the same with. You know, the, the murder of Snoke, which we both spoke about recently on our bonus episode where we had a debate about The Last Jedi, where we both loved that moment and the, the amount of braveness that that took to kill off a character like that. This movie, okay, sure, Snoke doesn't come back, but Palpatine does and basically takes the credit for creating Snoke as, I guess, some kind of clone. I don't love the Palpatine stuff in this film. Let me ask you, I clearly was out of the loop because as we've spoken about, I haven't seen a trailer for the film. You you knew Palpatine was going to rock up, didn't you? He's in the trailer. Right, because we had a moment last night before the movie <laughs> where, <laughs> yeah. where- And you, you did the sweet kind of parent thing like pretending Santa still exists. <laughs> <where> <laughs> because the Emperor came up at some point and I said- oh, do you think, do you think Palpatine's going to be in this movie? And you, you were very sweet. You were like, oh, no, no, well, he, you know, there's rumours. Because- <laughs> but so, you, so that wasn't a surprise to you at all? No. I feel like at, the, at, at both ends, that's kind of really sad for you and also probably really good because I, I had no idea that was coming. So in some ways, that was a cool moment. At the same time, it's the very first scene of the film is the reintroduction of Balpatine. And in my head, I went, oh, okay, so that's what this film is. This film is just going to be this. <laughs> and it kind of got me bummed right from the start because I wasn't expecting it. And uh, it it really sets the mood straight away. When you start with that scene, you know exactly what you're in for. You're in for a retreading of previous films. You're in for uh, retconning of, of the previous two. And- It it very much set the mood for me straight up.
1: But I mean, on the plus side, we get Ian McDermott playing Palpatine, and in the history of cinema, I'm actually not sure that I can think of an actor who loves playing a character more than McDermott seems (laughs) to love playing Palpatine. Like he just luxuriates in the gnarly cranky evilness. Of this character, he just loves it. I think, and I do, like as much as do I. You know, did I need Palpatine back? No, I did not. Am I happy to sit back and watch McDermott go to work? Yeah, I am.
0: Yeah. Did Did you also think that he actually looked um, healthier before he sucked the life force back out of? Ray and Ben? I think you may be onto something there. He was—he It was very interesting to me because the hu- entire first half of the movie where he's supposed to be kind of decrepit. Zombie Palpatine. Yeah, he's actually looking quite plump in the face and very healthy. He's got relatively normal eyes. Then when he sucks the life force out and he's kind of getting his strength back... His teeth go all rotten and he- Goes to Sith Eye. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice because he kind of just looked like your granddad falling asleep at Christmas lunch for the first half of the movie.
1: (laughs) So, so on choices around Palpatine, how are you feeling about Rey's lineage?
0: I don't love it. I I mean, I'm assuming- We haven't spoken about it, but I'm assuming that you felt the same way that you were hoping that she would just be absolutely no one. I I have a couple issues with it. Firstly, um, we've seen the past kind of, what, 50 years has this been since the start of the prequel trilogy? So, we've seen a lot of Palpatine's life, and I don't remember him ever having kids.
1: <laughs> oh, but come on. Like, both Senator Palpatine and the Chancellor, you, you can't tell me that guy is not getting his end away <laughs> regularly. Like, I, that, that part of it, I'm like, you know what? Like you know, Chris Rock in in Dogba, that's just plain gullibility.
0: <laughs> well, now now I want to see a deleted scene from the prequel where he's playing catch with his kids. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say where well, someone walks into the office. So, um, <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> I actually think there's probably an army of bastard Palpatines out there.
0: Well, probably, but in that case, what? Firstly, what makes her special? Secondly, why is she more special than his actual child? Why did he not care about? tracking that person down or anything why was it only when a grandchild was born like i i don't know i have a couple of issues just with the consistencies and logistics around it um even later on in the film like do, does he want ray dead or does he not because he tells kylo to to kill ray and he was supposedly controlling snoke and snoke was telling kylo to kill ray but apparently his plan all along was to get ray to kill him
1: well i think it worked for him either way either ray kills him his, you know, the Sith spirit goes into her and he's essentially living on anyway. So, for him, I think it was like, uh, you know what, either one works.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. So, he's like, plan A, kill her. Plan B, kill me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um.
1: But, yeah, certainly I think the best outcome was what Johnson did, which is the more powerful thing, I think, which is that the hero can be anyone. Yes. Ray is the every person. Yeah. That for me, that was the best. This is not the worst outcome. Like, she wasn't a skywalker, although that final, you know, that second last shot maybe questions that. <laughs> what's yeah. what's your last name? Looks over at Luke and Leia. Ah, that's my rum and dad.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we know Luke was keen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, this just feels like a complete retreading of that. Luke was already the, the son of the big bad. Now we've got her as the daughter of the big bad. I, I don't know. It just, it all felt very kind of trying to appease everybody. And you, like, you can't do it. But, okay. I think we've been talking negatively about the film. I need to stress this. I had a lot of fun with it. And I'll see it again. I enjoyed my time in the cinema. As with all Star Wars films, it's a great adventure movie you know like much like we had with the force awakens which okay sure everybody can look back at it now and say okay yeah the force awakens is a film that trades on nostalgia it's a film that exists as as you've said let's give people a star wars film after the prequels and it was a lot of it was a lot of fun to have that this film i think is is very very similar to the Force Awakens in that it it feels much like the same thing. It trades a lot on nostalgia and fan service and it it feels like it exists as let's give the fans a Star Wars film after the last Jedi. That's what it feels like to me. And as dirty as that feels and it you know I don't think there's a lot of imagination in the film as with all Star Wars films, you know, the nostalgia like as as much as i wish this was a better movie when the end credits roll and you hear john williams score you can't help but leave the theater with a smile on your face you saw some ewoks you saw someone shoot lightning bolts out of their hands you saw some lightsaber fights and at the end of the day isn't that really what we're there for You can tell that this is,
1: you know, in the same umbrella as the people that own the MCU because they couldn't help themselves but do a beam into the sky. (laughs) Yes. I was like, really? Really? Our our old friend,
0: Sheev Palpatine, can do (laughs) energy beams into the sky? Wow. Also, there's an army of Sith. I thought the whole thing about the Sith was there could always only be two.
1: So they were, they're referenced in the, um, when they're in the uh the first order boardroom. Yeah. And and Kylo's being angry in Kylo, someone says something about the he doesn't say freaky cultists, but he says something like that. Yeah, okay. So all those all those spooky hooded people, I don't believe a are force users at all. I think they're just the Star Wars Galaxy's version of devil worshippers. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense then. I'm okay with that. Speaking of Imperial boardrooms I I now just deeply wish that Richard E. Grant was in all three films.
0: Yes, he was fantastic. He was really, really good. And to be honest, we needed that with what they did with Hux in this film. Um, I was really, really glad Richard E. Grant was there. I loved him. Just, I thought it was a, just a great moment when he
1: rounds on Hux. Yeah. And just murders the shit out of him. That was great. I was just about to ask, how did you
0: feel about the treatment of Hux?
1: I was okay with Hux- because we know that Hux is incredibly disgruntled.
0: Yes, and we know that he's just he's just a sleazy worm. <laughs>
1: yes, he is a sleazy worm. Um who was you can see it in his eyes in the Force Awakens. He is that kind of genuinely disturbed true believer. Yeah. So he was never going to be on board with Kylo taking over. Um so I can you know what? I can I can square away with him being the source inside the First Order and I love Richard E Grant killing him. Yeah. And it makes me want to see, um, you know, there was when he was first announced as part of the cast, some people, you know, th- those of us who were losory enough that back in high school we just read all the books, people were like, imagine if Richard E. Grant was playing Thrawn. And I was like, oh my God, that would be, because his performance in this film, I'm just like, if you paint his skin blue, I was like, th- that would be incredible. But now, like, Thrawn exists in, like, the cartoons, doesn't he? So, that can't happen.
0: <laughs> see, well, I, I did not keep up with cast announcements at all. Not only was Palpatine a surprise, everything was a surprise to me. I had no idea that Kerry Russell was in this film, who, by the way, may as well not have been.
1: Oh, but she, her
0: scenes, she is an absolute
1: joy in the scenes she's in.
0: And I feel like this film suffers a little bit from throwing a too, throwing a few too many characters at the wall to see what sticks. Her's stuck for me. Well, that to me, to be honest, is the, my biggest critique of the film. I, I can actually I can put up with the video game plotting and the the retreading of previous things. To me, my biggest issue was that we didn't really get that much character growth. They were trying to sandwich a lot in. Both Finn and Poe have new, for lack of better words, girlfriends. Um, in Poe's case, it felt like Kerry Russell was really only there just to- No homo, Poe and Finn. And in Finn's case, it felt like um, that character was only there to sidestep Rose. They sandwich a lot of characters in here when we're already not paying enough attention to the characters we've got. We never really built on Finn from episode seven. We're still not now, but we're just adding more characters in.
1: Mm. And I think maybe it's even starker coming off a film which is so much about change. Yes, that, well, I suppose other than Ben is the big one. Uh, did you enjoy Harrison Ford?
0: I did. I, I mean, again, as I said, I think, you know, the nostalgia kicks in and when he's on screen, you can't help but smile and you're like, there's Han. <laughs> like, do I think it was necessary? No. Did I enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? I, I was This this second time around, I was like, okay, I'm really going to not
1: just be like, hey, yay, it's Han. <laughs> yeah. I was like, does this actually work for me? And it- yeah, it does work on me. Yeah, that's good. um, yeah. Whether it's because it's good or cause
0: I'm hardwired for it to work for me, I don't know. And it helps when you've got Adam Driver in the scene. Yeah, well, Adam Driver makes everything work. Yeah, look, I was on board with that. I was on board with um Luke, Force Ghost Luke, talking to Ray as well. I don't think what they did with Leia in the film worked. Yeah, so and I mean they're up against it. Well, this is the thing. Honestly, as much as I enjoyed The Last Jedi, really, the, the blame for this has to go to Ryan Johnson, because he had an out to end Leia's arc in that film. Twice.
1: She could have died in space, or you just sub her for Holdo, and Leia goes out in a blaze of glory, exactly
0: as Holdo did. And so, him not taking either of those paths really, really did paint- Um, JJ into a corner because he had no choice. Like Leia had to be in this film because she's an integral character to the entire saga and we haven't had an end to her story. So she had to be in the film. Now his options were to either CGI her or do what they did and was use previous footage. I don't think it worked because those scenes are so clear that they've been written around lines that didn't exist in, in, in this context. Yeah, you just pick standard lines and write other dialogue around it. Exactly. Even even movements, the scene where her and Ray are passing the lightsaber back and forth to each other a couple of times, just because I guess they had the footage of that. And it it really doesn't work for me at all. It's so clear that it's out of context. And then even even when Mars says, you
1: know, she can do this connection with her son, but that'll be everything she's got left. I was like, will it? That doesn't seem like this isn't like like Luke's death makes perfect like that you you can't you buy that the output of what he did with that projection yes would be just so insanely taxing that it it does you in it's like it's like clicking your fingers when you're wearing the glove in Endgame um,
0: whereas yeah with with Leia it's like oh, okay well I mean I guess you had to kill her somehow but yeah it doesn't really work for me because I don't know about you I always felt like Leia was the stronger force user than Luke to me. Like, Luke had to learn and be taught, whereas Leia was always more natural with the Force. Do you, you obviously don't feel the same way. Well, no, I'm just like I, like, I buy that Leia has it in her, but we've
1: never had a chance to see it. So, I, I, I'm just like, how would we know?
0: I just, I feel like we've never had to see it. I feel like that's just something that inherently I feel like I know. Somehow, you've always known. Saying it now, I'm sure it sounds silly. I, w- I was hoping that you would uh, agree with me, but clearly no. Not. I think it sounds silly. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, in my head, I just I always put her as the stronger, more natural force user. So the idea that this would—I mean—and I think that that was, you know, the fact that she could marry Poppins herself back into the spaceship. I think is a huge hint at that—that that she just naturally had it. Um, so to me, this seems silly—the fact that this would kill her in the way it does. I do one thing I do like about the one of the
1: conversations that they work their way around between Ray and Leia is that early on in the film, Ray says something about earning the lightsaber, which in the end, as far as Luke's concerned, she earns Leia's. Which I just, I, I just liked it. I think it's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, that I'll agree with. Yeah. One thing, um, this uh, you know, with, with the amount of fan service we get, like, which is always always going to happen, like, whatever. I'm I'm not angry about it because it's just you might as well push back on the freaking ocean. One thing that that little Topher has always, <laughs> the little Topher inside me has always wanted in these films, is that because Return of the Jedi is is my movie, yeah, my favorite lightsaber is not Anakin's, which has been an incredibly important. Prop throughout this trilogy, it's it's Luke's. Yeah, and I've I've now gone three films just praying that someone would ignite the green. And again, and every film there's been a moment where I'm like, oh, maybe this is it. <laughs> and again, in this one, when Ben turns up at the end and is surrounded by the Knights of Ren. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's here, it's gonna. Ha-. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Where was my fan service, Billy? I'm going to go right in all caps
0: somewhere. <laughs> um, let's talk about some original things this film did that we like, because so far we've spoken a lot about how it retreads and and a lot of stuff we don't like. I'm all here for Cool Water Planet with the big waves. Um that was probably one of my favorite sequences in the film. I have issues with some of the logistics around it, the fact that they're like, No, you can't go, it's too dangerous. And then not only does Ray do it pretty easily, but then Finn follows him <laughs> Finn her, does it too. And then Finn follows her pretty easily as well. So it's pretty clear that they could have all done it at that point. <laughs> um But all here like the visuals of that are awesome. I think it's exciting. I really liked that. And I like
1: that scene, that that fight slash scene between Ray and Kylo didn't really didn't need Kylo turning up on the on the desert planet to be honest. Although it's a really cool shot when Ray does a mad flip and owns his Tie Fighter like that is kick ass. But I'm like, and then like, okay, well now you've got Kylo here and nothing to do with him. But anyway, I think this film. One thing I think this film does absolutely brilliantly is that it knows what to do with C3PO. Yes, most Star Wars films is like, well, we have to have the droids because it's a rule. But then. What do we do with them? And for two films, 3PO's just been there. Yeah. And this is peak 3PO for me. I think the use of 3PO and Anthony
0: Daniels' performance- Yep. um, Sensational, yeah. I'll, this is probably the first time I can ever think of three PO actually having a use. Yes, yeah, I mean three PO is inherently annoying. <laughs> yes, yes, and R two actually has uses. He can store holograms and maps and stuff, <laughs> and unlock things. Yeah, whereas three pos is just being
1: annoying. Which I, I don't even mean that as a as a complaint. Like three PO just is annoying. That's what he does. Um, don't know why Anakin made him that way. Don't know why Anakin made Threepio, but that's a hot, let's not go there. Let's not go there.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yes, as much as I didn't enjoy elements of the plot uh, and the whole kind of fetch quest thing, the idea that he had it stored in his head and they had to wipe his memory to get it out.
1: And that little critter, that little critter that does it. Oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah, he he was the best additional character in the film. <laughs>
1: As well as the, um, you know, the, the spirit of Andy Serkis living on, because even though Snoke is dead, I'm pretty sure it was Caesar from the Apes films that remade Kylo's helmet.
0: A hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that up. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> um, I also, I as much as I didn't, you know, love the whole Palpatine angle, the final fight when Rey and Kylo are kind of force bound, connected to each other and fighting- um, you know, the the Sith worshippers. That was a great fight scene too. That was fantastic. I probably overall, like across the trilogy, I feel a bit jipped about the Knights of
1: Wren. They were brought up quite early in The Force Awakens, and they're dispatched, you know, they might as I'm I'm not gonna say they might as well be stormtroopers in this <laughs> one, but we get nothing out of the knights. Yeah. Elsewhere, justice for Chewy. Medal of Bravery about fucking time.
0: Is he the only one who doesn't get one in A New Hope? Yeah. At the end, Luke's there with his
1: Medal of Bravery. Han's there with his Medal of Bravery. Chewie's there going, you fucking racists.
0: (laughs) It's because I'm a (laughs) Wookiee. And then I bet you were happy because right at the end, for no real reason, we get Ewoks. And I'm pretty sure I saw in the credits, um, it is
1: Warwick Davis as Wicket. Really? <laughs> yep. That was that was Wicket. My man, Wicket. Fearsome warrior. All glory to Ewoks. They're the bomb. So, um, like, overall, I probably feel somewhat similar about this trilogy as the original. Like, you have the first one that's a rollicking adventure. You have the middle one that's not quite like the others. And you have the third one that's fun, but if you're honest, not
0: as good. Yeah. Yeah, I yep, I would totally totally agree with that sentiment.
1: And of course like all, all Star Wars that gets made is fan fiction because anyone working on it is a fan of Star Wars. This one just but, but this one feels more
0: fan fictiony. It does. It does. And I I find myself struggling with how this happened because I don't for a second believe that a company like Disney, you know, and we've seen how controlling they can be over franchises like, for example, the MCU and even Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy has fired two directors of up until this point on half the films she'd made as the, the head of Lucasfilm. She'd fired the director. So I find it completely unbelievable that there would not have been some sort of overarching plotting that was done for this trilogy. And I think that this film, this film feels like. The out of place one, because I feel like this is where they went back on stuff that they might have had planned. So I'm not convinced that Palpatine was supposed to appear in, the, in this one. I would be curious to see what was meant to happen in this one, but I don't think we'll ever know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the-,
0: the
1: And, uh, like, again, I'll stress this. I, I had an enjoyable couple of hours in the cinema. I'm, I'm not heading to a forum to type in all caps. Um, but, like, when the credits rolled- and you get over the initial rush of, as you said, the score kicks in and you're like, yay, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, like, it leaves me feeling a tad empty. I think maybe a part of that. One, like, just the nature of the film, as I said, I do think it feels like a dog chasing its own tail for a fair chunk of it. But also, we were coming off a film which, for the, you know, for those of us who enjoy The Last Jedi, it was a film that opened up the Star Wars universe and a film that looked looked forward and moved forward. and now we've hit a film that very much looks back,
0: yes. And that's why I'm not surprised that Disney are claiming that this is the last of the official episode saga. And I wouldn't be surprised if it actually genuinely was because I think if there is any life left to have in this franchise, it's going to be with standalone stories, yeah, or like you could you could do a trilogy, but maybe do it old Republic, yeah, or something. yeah because fans have such an es- an expectation of what a saga film is that any step outside those bounds they they're, they're going to get slammed. It- I don't think it's possible to make a Star Wars movie that is going to please everyone. It's never ever going to happen.
1: Well, we've always got the Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> That'll always be close to our hearts. <laughs> be right, like for those of us for for the people that are most that are most invested I, like I suspect that's being very selfish, I'm saying our generation because the kid like the kids the kids who grew up with it, who grew up with the originals, then experienced the prequels and now have this, it is impossible to satisfy us because the emotion and attachment we have to the originals is actually unreasonable yeah it it really is, yeah, it's impossible to satisfy the place that those films have. In our heart.
0: Yeah. And that's why, to some extent, I think The Last Jedi is probably the strongest of this, because it's the one that tried the least to satisfy that. And yep. it did some interesting new things. And that's why I wish they had continued that a little with this, because this this feels very much like, as I said, I had a lot of fun. It's a fun, rollicking adventure. It doesn't touch anything in me other than nostalgia. It doesn't hit new points or anything I, again, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. It's a six from me. uh, it's also a six for me. Um If
1: you told me a couple of months ago that my favorite Star Wars thing to happen this year would be baby Yoda, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you but but it is
0: righty cool it's i th- I do think it's a shame that it's getting as harsh reviews as it has been i checked the Metascore this morning. I think it was fifty three so it's not like we're not talking d c e u it's not it's not cats. <laughs> Have you seen any of the reviews for Cats? Oh, my God. Okay. Boston Globe. My eyes are burning. Oh, God. My eyes. That's a quite the <laughs> review for this film. Collider. <laughs> uh. Can you make a movie so bad that the Academy takes back your best director Oscar? Asking for Tom Hooper. Asking for David Fincher, <laughs> who should have won. Oh, uh. Good lord. Slash film. There's a thin line between idiocy and genius and Cats pukes a hairball on it and rubs its ass all over it. Incredible. I
1: doubt like I'm, I'm actually now deeply curious
0: about this film. <laughs> well, you can be curious on your own because I'm not watching Cats, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, what are we doing next? Next week is Christmas, buddy. So, so we'll be coming to you on, on Christmas Eve, I think, with our Christmas episode where we have gone and we have watched It's a Wonderful Life, finally. Neither of us had ever seen it. <laughs> Hadn't touched it. Then, of course, leading up to the end of the year, we're going to have our standard best of the year, best of 2009 episode, as well as a little best of the decade episode. So, that's what's coming out in the next week. That'll be fun. You know what we need to do, though, before we say goodbye? What's that? We've had a little competition running, mate. Entries closed like an hour ago. Should we pick some winners? Yes. How how have you got a hat with names in it? How is this working? I've got I've got a spreadsheet with all of the entries and I've got a random number generator that's going to tell us which line on the spreadsheet wins. So SkyNet's deciding. <laughs> yeah. So how about we do an international winner first which will win a we watch the thing mug? And get to tell us a film to watch on the show. Rules state yep. that it can't can be Cats, though. You can re-gift that mug. That's next Christmas. Covered. <laughs> yeah. it, can't, it can't be Cats, though. You're not allowed to pick Cats. Um, and then we'll do our Australian winner, who wins both of those, as well as, thanks to Dendy Cinema's, double passes to go see Ken Loach's new film, Sorry We Missed You. Let's do this. Random number. If they've
1: picked really bad films, can we just veto this? Because I've seen, like, having a look through the- the entries, there's there's some wild picks in there. There
0: are some very wild picks. Let's see. The winner for the International is Andrew Norman. <laughs> of, of London United Kingdom? Of London United Kingdom. Um, <laughs> He's already a patron. He is a patron, which means that he gets uh, a month free. A month free. <sighs> That's
1: brilliant. Now we don't even need to post it. My brother's coming over from England tomorrow. We'll just give him Andrew's stuff to take back. They live like two miles from each other. That is astounding.
0: That is, that's great. That's Um, hilarious. What were were Andrew's picks? He he at least had some good picks. Uh, His number one was The Favourite. Number two, Gone Girl. Number three, Mad Max Fury Road. I like it, Andrew. We should be friends. (laughs) All right. Shall we see who our winner for Australia is? It's Daniel Henderson from the Movie Journey podcast. That guy? (laughs) What are the bloody odds? (laughs) Oh, my God. We had so many entries, and we are familiar with both of our winners. (laughs) Um, So what what were his picks? Can we shame him, or are they good? No, they're they're pretty good. He had Inception, Whiplash, and Sing Street. (laughs) I'm I'm not as high on Sing Street as a lot of people. I I, I haven't seen it. I'm not here to throw shade. Look, I don't dislike the film. Look. Good on him. So Hendo, you'll be getting a mug, and and you'll get to you'll get to tell us a movie to do on the show. That's fun.
1: I, I'm fearful of what Daniel might pick. <laughs> yeah, I'm really fearful. He might just get us to do Tommy Boy
0: again. <laughs> I hope he does, Hendo. Hendo, make it Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Hendo, you'll also be getting some uh, double passes to go see Sorry We Missed You. Hopefully, we'll get to hear about it on the show. This is an absolute rot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's hear let's hear some of the other entries so that you know that there were, in fact, other entries. Uh, Dave, David Powell from Sydney he had Mad Max: Fury Road, The Social Network, and Inception. Stran Featherston had The Greatest Showman, Collateral Beauty, and Official Secrets.
1: That's wild.
0: Yeah, Kevin Zhu uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, <laughs> Kung Fu Panda Two, and The wait, Karate wait, wait. Kid. <laughs> It wasn't even the first diary. No, I mean, because, no was diary, it? it was like the third Rodrigo one. Rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Josephine from Denmark had Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Christopher Robin, and The Force Awakens. Yeah, nice. Old friend of the show, Josephine. Uh, Jawad from Newcastle, Staffordshire, had Boyhood, The Master, and Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, nice. Uh, your brother Nick. Nick had About Time, Rogue One, and If Beale Street Could Talk. They're all good movies. I haven't seen About Time. Is that Bill Nye? It is. It's Bill Nye, yeah. Emily Higgins from the Tasteless Podcast had Get Out, Disobedience, and The Final Girls. Josh Berkey from Pennsylvania had Spotlight, Birdman, and Joker in his top three. Here's one: Zero Dark Thirty, Sicario, and Django Unchained. Nice. I like this person. Yeah. This is good. This will give us ideas for our top of the decade, because I, st- I still need to decide what's making my list. <laughs> cool. All right. So- Normo, Hendo, we'll get your prizes to you very shortly. <laughs> well, we'll get them to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatch or wewatch at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatch thing If you want to help support the show and tell us something we should watch on the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash watched a thing You can also get early access to episodes and bonus episodes once a month as well. And we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie.